Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today as we provide useful information and insights to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband everywhere it needs to be. One of the hottest topics going around these days is hackerspaces. They seem to be taking the country by storm, probably because they're actually pretty easy to set up. They are low maintenance, but they have a really solid financial, I should say, economic impact on a community. And so we really want to consider those, especially in the realm of um, broadband, for a couple of reasons. One being that hackerspaces can be good promotional tools for uh, educating folks about the benefit of broadband in general. And also, they are an avenue to get uh, techies to come together and, and hackers and people with great ideas that can use the broadband network and demonstrate a very significant benefit of your broadband activities. And so today, to um, talk about uh, this whole phenomenon of, of hackerspace, I have found the founder of one such space up in Sacramento, who uh, is Gina Luhan, who's uh, come down to, uh, to, to talk to us about this and give us some of the scoop. Gina, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. I don't think I pronounced your last name right, and I'm really, really sorry. How do you pronounce <laughs> it? It's Luhan. <laughs> okay, I was close. You um, were very talk, close. Let's talk about this, this hackerspace phenomenon. What is a hackerspace? Why is it important? Um, hackerspaces are, <clears throat> are very similar to co-working spaces. Um, they're collaborative work environments where people can come in and work, but the emphasis is usually on, on technology, um, whether it's uh, web and mobile development, um, anything to do with programming, software development, things like that. That's usually what a hackerspace comprises of. Um, our space in Sacramento is actually a hacker and maker space. Mm-hmm. So our space focuses on um, software technology, mobile and web um, development, startups, and then we also have the maker space which fo- focuses on actually creating uh, products, art, um, contributing to the creative economy, and as well as um, doing uh, fabrication and, and putting actual products on the market. Interesting. So now are there different, um, I don't know, types of hackerspaces or different types of themes? Um, yes, there is actually. There's, there's several types of, of different. Uh, the original, the first model was just like an open collaborative space, and now as, we're, as these are becoming more um, popular, and they even have um, hackerspaces that are just focused on biotechnology and uh, chemistry and that type of engineering. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's some that just focus on startups. Um, and again, there's the makerspace when it's just basically focused on creating actual things. So there's different types of spaces. I think that every space, dependent on its community and the the location and the interests of those around it, each space creates uh, basically creates a life of its own and has its own um, flavor uh, and and taste as to what it's going to actually feel like when you go into the space. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, hackerspaces can take a couple of different forms or shapes. Uh, yes. Is it something that's decided on the front end, or do you 
start a hacker space and then kind of see what happens? I think it depends on the people actually starting. I, from personal experience, um, I've helped uh, not only, uh, you know, uh, help found um, Hacker Lab, but I also have um, initiated a hacker makerspace in Sonora as a consulting gig. And what I've noticed is it's, to me, the best way to have a successful hacker and makerspace is basically to to create it and then allow the community and and um, and those interests uh, bring together the life of what that space is going to be. It's really mm-hmm. hard to determine um, uh, right away what that space is. I think you can have a general idea of what you want to do, but I think as the community comes in and puts their input and rolls up their sleeves and kind of really starts to form that space, it will actually kind of you organically move into what that space is actually going to do. So how would you describe, you know, the process of uh, starting uh, a hacker space? Um, again, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to revert and use the word um, uh, organic quite a bit because it is a very organic process. Um, the reason I got into a hacker space is because I did have a co-working space in Berkeley. And, um, and so I opened uh, at the time, because I was in a service-oriented business, a co-working space. And then when I got into startups, um, I you know, met a few friends and were like, let's turn this into a hacker space. And so when, we, when I, I came to Sacramento and started to form Hacker Lab with my co-founders, um, I, I can honestly say that it was very organic. Like we said, okay, this is what we want to do. We want to open this space. However, we know that we're going to need uh, more than than ourselves to make this happen. Um, so we actually uh, started having meetups and lunches and then evening meetups to get the input of the local community and then actually gauge what that community was into. Um, and what I found was that the community in Sacramento was very different than the community in in the Bay Area. So there was no way to predict. Um, so it was it was ex- an extremely organic and very um, uh, kind of catered to this community um, process that happened. So as we started going, everything what we are today is is a is an, a result of community input and their hard work and how it's all come together. Mm-hmm. So definitely, the word organic is is the is the best way to describe um, when you when you're building a, a hackerspace. Hmm. Okay. So now to to do the to look at this from a I don't know a management perspective. When you when you start and you're you're going around and you're meeting folks, <clears throat> what are some of the the raw ingredients? You know, I, I was at a, a conference last uh, week, and uh, I was I was signing copies of my book, and someone came up and for whatever reason, asked about a, a hacker space, and yeah. um, and so I gave this you know two minute breakdown. But one of the things I said was I am very supportive of those because it doesn't take a lot to get them off the ground. I mean, you have to be in tune with your community, obviously, but really from sort of physical, you know, uh, resources and and that kind of thing, we're not talking about a lot here, are we? No. um, So even my my first initial co-working space in Berkeley, I, I did that completely on my own. I found a space, threw some tables and chairs in it, and we were done. Um, got Wi-Fi. Made sure there was lots of coffee mugs and whatnot. And then, um, 
when we moved, um, when I moved to, to Sacramento, um, my I, I put an ad, actually how I found uh, our business partners is we actually put an ad on Craigslist saying, this is the idea we have. We want to have a, you know, a hacker, maker, a hacker space. It wasn't a maker space yet, a hacker space in, in Sacramento, and I need, I need help doing it. And that's how I found um, our first partner. And um, we initially, um, we have 10,500 square feet now, but we initially started in a 750 square foot space. And it cost us uh, probably under $2,000 to get it started. Um, we ended up, um, I had some furniture, I had furniture, I went around and grabbed a bunch of stuff from Craigslist. Um, we got the space, and there was three of us together who put in on it. And then, you know, my co-founder went and bought some servers, and some uh, server racks brought his oscilloscopes and soldering stations, and we just put in Wi-Fi, really good Wi-Fi, and that was it. And um, again, it was only 750 square feet, but it was enough for us to get started um, and to start building community. And um, you know, within six months, once our lease was up, we actually went from that to 10,500 square feet. Um, so to initially get started is actually, you know, if you get a, a group of people together and they have a little bit of money in their pocket, it, it's fairly simple to start a hackerspace. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to then extrapolate that out, you know, you, you, you start with a fairly small budget, you get this thing up and running. Yes. What are the impacts that, that start deriving from uh, these spaces? Well, um, for here in Sacramento, um, for us, the impact was huge. Um, so we have a we've we've had a uh, a growing uh, tech community in Sacramento for years. Um, there are some organizations that are very involved in, in fostering that and have been doing that for years, as well as other spaces. Um, but there was a, a, a gap that was missing, and I think it was a, a hacker a hacker type space that that is geared specifically to that kind of um, quirky backpack wearing converse socially conscious, you know, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a different culture. And, um, and I think that that was, it, it's one of the missing things. We're still not quite there as far as, as Sacramento is concerned. And we're, I think, I know we're going to get there as a community in a whole. Um, but, I, but the impact has been huge. I mean, you know, from us to go from 750 to 10,000 square feet and, you know, to have, you know, several thousand on our mailing list and almost a couple hundred members and, uh, in such a short period of time, within two years, um, really proves that this, the city was ready and that there was a, vo- uh, a void and a gap that was missing. And um, so the impact has been has been great, and the numbers and the amount of success that we've had as far as events and community has been huge. Mm-hmm. So what kinds of... Um, when you say you have members, uh, what kind of members are they? I mean, is this a structured... Pro- program for membership, or is it kind of a loose association? Um, so it's loose. It's almost similar to like a gym membership. Um, so we have various different levels. Um, our levels start at $25, and that's just to support what we're doing. Um, and people can come in for $25 a month four times, so once a week for a month and just visit. Um, and then we have you know our regular space where you have access for 20, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and you can come in for $99. We have private desks. We have 13 private offices that are used for startups and, and, and companies. And then, um, and then we also have uh, memberships that are just for our uh, makerspace facility. 
So there's different ways that people can join and participate, um, various different um, for different budgets, and then also uh, for different use. Mm-hmm. So how does that look to the person coming in? Meaning, what um, I may be new to the hacker space, but what kind of person am I? If I'm going to just be looking at, say, the twenty-five dollar versus the $99. If I'm, if I'm looking at a $99 membership, is it because I have um, a business plan, I have a, uh, a prototype of a product? Uh, what, yeah. what, how do these folks separate So most of the people that, um, that have our, our $99 plan are one, either they're in a startup or they're also a freelancer of some sort. So they're, they might be a development, uh, you know, a web developer, app developer, um, graphic designer, um, we've even had startup attorneys in our space, um, so it, it's there's a varying a varying degree of, of different people that actually participate. So if you have a startup, a lot of people join because they just have they have a startup idea and you know they want to be around the community, have access to those to the mentors that are around. Uh, the one thing that's really neat about hacker and maker spaces is the tight knit community, and they're almost like little townships within the walls. So everybody knows everybody. You you kind of learn, you know, who is who's the coder, who's the guy who does Java, who's the PHP guy, who's the guy who can weld, and so you become friends with all these people. So it's very valuable for people who are in startups or even wanting to get into the tech scene to be a part of the hacker maker space because there's just a wealth of knowledge there. And one thing about the tech community, and I think that's why um, the tech community has grown so rapidly, especially in in the Bay Area, is because we kind of have this give back attitude and we want to help each other, and we really want other people to succeed. So being in a hacker space um, is very, very um, good for anybody who just wants to learn and just to be around people that they can turn to. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things. Mm-hmm. Interesting indeed. Now, in, um, in, in moving the, 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 the process forward, uh, do your mem- is, is membership kind of a, I don't know, an ebb and flow, like people will come around for a couple of months and then you don't see them for a while, maybe they'll come back, maybe they won't. How how does the the flow of membership go? Um, for the most part, we have a core of regular members that have been with us for quite a while. Um, and then we have a lot of people who come um, and then maybe they're there for a few months, uh, especially our offices, our startup offices. Um, which we, we pride ourselves in is most people come, they stay for three to six months, they outgrow the space, and then they move on to get their own space. And we consider that a success as opposed to we're losing an office where we, we view it as, yay, they've exited, they're moving, uh, their business is growing, they're moving up and moving out. Um, and then as far as individual members, um, most of the time um, if people leave, it's usually because they either move out of the area or because they've maybe gotten a job and can't come in as much as they would like to. But for the most part, we have um, a regular steady um, group of people who have been with us for a long time and are kind of like, you know, embedded into the community themselves. Hmm. So it's a real, now do you as the, um, I don't know, as the main coordinator, you and your your, your central team, you uh, you keep, like, I don't know, mailing list or a newsletter blog kind of thing that keeps everybody together, or at least as yes. far as keeping information on what people are up to and so forth. Um, yeah, so we've been really good about talking about what we're, what we're doing, what we're up to, what we have to offer. 
um, our space is really focused on education, um, and whether it's education and, and learning a new skill or if it's education on um, resources that are available as far as business. Um, so we do a lot of, we, have, we hold about uh, 35 to 50 events a month. Um, and so we have something going on too. Usually one to two things a day going on as far as evening classes and meetups. Um, so we share a lot of information about that. Um, and one of the things that we're focusing on this year is really highlighting um, our members and um, our community leaders. And that's something that we actually have just started. And we've gotten really good um, feedback. And I think that's something that we learned going along the way. So if anybody has like a, who is thinking about having a hacker room interspace or, or has one, um, that's something that we've learned that we needed to do was kind of highlight our members, our community, and kind of talk about what's going on around them. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, it keeps you pretty busy. What kind of events do you have? You see you have like about 50 um, a month? Yeah, we have yeah. 35 to 50 a month, just depending. Like this month we have like 35, and that's a slow month. Um, we have hackathons. We have user groups, um, which basically are uh, user user groups where you can learn how to. I mean, it's basically people who are maybe you know fumbling around with Android or uh, PHP, and they want to come in and, and you know learn from other users. Um, we have meetups, um, which are focused on very diff various different things. Like we have an Amazon Amazon Web Services meetup that you know we have every month. Um, we have classes, so you can learn. You can come to Hacker Lab, and you can learn how to weld. You can learn woodworking. You can learn how to use a laser cutter, a three D printer. You can learn CAD, um, HTML five, um, different how to do a lean landing page, um, lean analytics, um, just just about everything. Um, you can you can learn at Hacker Lab, so it's pretty cool. Wow, so so some of that involves then helping people be better at the the business part of. of uh, Running tech uh, startups. Yes, yes. When we first started, um, so we, that's something else that we we've, we've learned along the way. And we knew that we had to do is because we support startups, is we needed to have resources. And and Sacramento is such a new, uh, new emerging community that um, you know it, it took us it took us a, a good you know good solid year to to get footing on that. And now you know we we've realized this year. And within the last several months, you know that we need to start having support for these startups. So um, little by little, we're adding more and more business type um, classes and groups that will help the startups um, take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Now, what has been? Oh, let's see. How would I describe this? If you, the, some of this seems to be about creating a uh, momentum for. Uh, moving tech startups forward, right? So you, you get a bunch of people together and you create a certain amount of energy, synergy, and then you start moving the, the community forward. Do you think that, that hacker spaces are predominantly uh, for unifying existing techies and people with tech ideas, or is it heavily creating people with, not creating people, I mean uh, creating entrepreneurs and, and startups? I think it's well, both. Um, yeah, I think it's both. I think, I think that's one thing that's very unique about Hacker and Makerspaces is that it is what you make of it. And the, it's, they, for being such um, you know, low-cost facilities, because our budget last year was only $150,000, um, and that's for staff 
that's for um, facilities, um, supplies, and um, basically just running the whole organization. And, and for an organization to 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 have 35 events, you know, spit out 12 startups and help them rate, help them have a revenue of 2.5 million. Um, that's pretty good. And um, so, but what what I'm getting to is that because these spaces are are so lean, it's surprising that they it, it they serve so many different um, venues. So whether it's it's helping to create startups, it's supporting startups. It's helping the freelancer get more business. It's helping the local economy get employees for their tech for their tech um, positions. Um, whether it's you know contracting out with other small companies so they can get their web design services, their mobile app development. Whether it's to help that inventor you know get his rapid prototype out, or if it's for educating people. Hackerspaces do all of those things and have the capability of doing that with a very strong community and backbone. So it, I mean, it's just amazing what these spaces can do. I'm, I'm actually pretty, pretty speechless. I mean, that is a pretty um, impressive amount of output relative to the money that, that's going into it. You know, when I was thinking about this um, over the last couple of months and then leading up to the show, one of the things that hits me about this um, is that you can, I guess, pinpoint neighborhoods to impact. I mean, I know yeah. that you know, you're in Sacramento, and I think that yours is a fairly you know large uh, you know operation there. But if I if I step back and look at it from an urban developer's perspective. You know, and I say, well, you know, I've got some empty houses, or I've got some empty buildings over here, and I've got, uh, you know, some half-filled real estate, um, commercial real estate facilities over here. You know, I've got, uh, I don't know, a certain, uh, a, a, I don't know, status of income, folks over here. I can basically target where to put one of these hacker spaces. As part of a plan to to impact specific neighborhoods, could I not? Yes, yes, you could. Um, where they really seem to flourish is in urban neighborhoods. Um, is is where they seem to flourish. Um, it almost seems like the grungier the better uh, to hacker and maker spaces. Um, and well, I guess what I mean by that is is um, you know not so sterile, um, very uh, I don't know, very relaxed, uh, very garage feeling. Um, Kind of uh, mobile, so you can move furniture. You can, you can lots of whiteboards. I mean, but it doesn't need to be uh, fancy. Hacker spaces kind of seem to lose their creativity. Uh, it just seems, seems to be like the more uh, organic. Like I, I don't know if the word's organic, but the more grungy they are, and I don't mean by dirty, but just like the more laid right. back they are, the more successful they seem to be. So they do really well in urban neighborhoods. Um, creativity seems to flourish in them. Um, you know, we have ours in in, uh, in uh, Midtown Sacramento. We're kind of off the grid. We're not in the cool part of the grid. We're kind of off the grid, and it's very warehousey, very grungy um, in comparison to other spaces. But the creativity that flows out of those is just amazing. Um, so I really do think that um, like an urban developer could actually a developer could come in and actually put you know know where to put hacker spaces. Um, you know, and I think different areas. Um, different areas 
can benefit from different types of hackerspaces. So we have a um, an area sub a sub city um, that's part that's tied to Sacramento, and it's like the Rockland Roseville Folsom area, and that's a higher uh, income demographic out there, and they could most mm -hmm. definitely. Um, most definitely benefit from having a makerspace, and I think there is one uh, being built, um, and it's being run by Jack Crawford in Velocity Venture. Um, and I think that that space out there would actually more focus on like robotics, um, you know, engineering, um, doing things like that, because that demographic is different. So they definitely can go in different areas um, and different uh, that have different economic levels. Uh, but the ones that we've seen, uh, as far as the, the more famous ones, are usually in kind of an urban, kind of warehousey area, and and they all seem to be doing very well. Mhm. Mm so you can you can target it even by the types of the types of techies that you want to create. Correct. Mm -hmm. Wow. If you so have you enough community, that's important. Huh? No, I was going to say that. In, in, um, I, I'm working on this project in Ottumwa. And um, their community college turns out this insane number of folks ready to uh, go to work in the laser optics and in the robotics business. So when developing their um, broadband plan, one of the things that hit me was, you know, they had several big uh, buildings downtown that are just being totally underutilized. And I said, well, you know, what you guys can do is create a – um, a hackerspace, like I call it an idea accelerator because I thought it was a nice flashy term. Yeah. But, but the idea was to, you know, take that talent coming out of that, that college and, and create a space for them downtown. You know, you can coordinate with the college and all of that, but open up the space to involvement by other companies in the industries so the kids don't have to necessarily leave town to go to work uh, in, in either the East Coast or the West Coast, they could actually, you know, in theory, start creating little home offices and, and telecommute to these jobs versus leaving, which is right now what happens is they graduate, yeah. they go, right? Yeah. That kind yeah, and, of and I agree. So, so, so that kind of a planning can be done around these hacker spaces too. I mean, you can sort of Integrated into a you know into a bigger picture approach to to you know yes. whatever it is trying to do with broadband. Most definitely. Um, so the reason that like so Sacramento has has the same problem. We are basically ninety minutes away from the Bay Area, and so and that's I mean that is the hub of innovation and startups right now. So we very easily lose talent. We lose employees and we lose startups to the Bay Area because all the resources are there, so and all the money is there. So and, and we're working on that, and I and I think that we will we will we'll, we're going to get uh, get somewhere in this battle. Um, but I do um, think that if you create the community and the culture on these resources that these young these young entrepreneurs and young technologists are seeking, that you have a better chance of retaining them. Um, if they did a study, they did a study in Philadelphia. It's such a successful startup community um, and technology city. And one of the number one things that attracted the young adults to actually stay, they have a 76% retention rate after college, 
after college um, graduation, which is huge. It's very, that's a huge number. And the reason that these students are staying is because of culture, because um, that, that Philadelphia has done a great job in creating a culture that is very attractive, attractive to these young adults. And a lot of that has to do with the startup culture and the resources that are available for anybody that's in technology. So hackerspaces play a big role in this because these are, these are hangouts, these are hubs, these are central points of community and culture that young adults, young entrepreneurs, uh, and technologists are looking for. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, huh, that's pretty impressive. You know, I, I'm from Philadelphia, and Philadelphia definitely has had an issue with keeping its graduates close to home. I mean, I, when I was mm-hmm. there in the, uh, the 80s and, and, you know, traveling back and forth, you know, this, this was like a constant theme. Now, they have a, uh, a technology center that's tied to the University of Pennsylvania in Philly, and they've, they've got a venture capital community and so forth, but it seemed like it was still difficult to keep folks um, close to home. And what, what I think is interesting about the, the hackerspace phenomena is that, um, you know, a place like Philadelphia, which has, you know, a big city environment, you know, it's, it's not mm-hmm. so much people left because it was a small town. It was just they didn't see the opportunities in some of the, you know, newer technology fields and so forth. This could, um, you know, th- th- this could definitely be part of that arsenal of, um, you know, of keeping folks uh, close at home and, and, and so forth. Uh, what's the next level for um, these, these hacker spaces? I mean, there, or, or is there, is, is, or is there like a next, I don't know, level or a direction? Is it all just kind of free form? It's going to flow wherever. Yeah, I think so. I think um, at least for for us, and I think a lot of hacker spaces are are going getting into this. We're you know we we do a lot of hackathons, which spin out, um, which spin out companies. I think that. Um, you know, the next level will be really as we grow as a hacker hackerspace community. And that's one thing about us is that we're all kind of talking to each other at all times, and we're very supportive. It's a, it's a movement, and um, it's um, it's something that we definitely can all learn from each other. And I think that as we're as we're growing, we're starting to see the potential, and I think that cities are starting to see the potential. Government. And I think that there we will become engines for, like I said, employment. Um, we are we at Hacker Lab are working on doing programs for workforce development and STEM education by using our community teachers to go out and teach people how to code and how to do basic electronics. Um, I think that we're going to um, definitely be big um, engines as far as the economy is concerned um, with with startups um, that come out of these spaces. I mean, Hacker Dojo is a huge example of how many companies can actually come out of a hacker space. To me, they're the, the kings of um, of hacker spaces and have led by example. And you know, the success stories that have come out of there have been n- nothing short of amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that you know all hacker spaces can look to um, as far as when we're, we're when we're aspiring to to do great things. And um, so I think that we're actually going to serve a lot of purposes. And I think as we go into the future, I think that we're 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 starting to work strongly with economic development. And, and partnering with cities and other organizations to to push out resources that will really change the landscape of a city. Mm-hmm. 
Now, isn't there, though, some caution that should be exercised because if it becomes too planned and too controlled by uh, local government, isn't there the danger that the value, the biggest value of hackerspaces would get lost in the structured approach? I think that we can partner and not literally be controlled by a city. Um, I did like I did. I did an economic development study in Tuolumne County in the city of Sonora, um, and went out to find their community and help them start a makerspace, which is actually going to open very shortly, um, which is awesome. Um, and so one of the things that I, you know. I made very clear and that the economic developer there, Larry Cope, was very, very cognizant of was we cannot control these spaces, that these spaces need to be organic, they need to be community-driven, and that is where the magic, at, magic is at, and that's where the value is. And I think that cities are starting to learn that, I think on so many different aspects outside of even hacker spaces, that in order to have a great city, um, cities need to be community-driven. And I've been finding that across the board as I'm going out and working with different cities. They're like, we need people's help. We can't do this on our own. You know, like, we, we need help. Um, and I've been learning that. I mean, I've talked to so many different economic developers in East Bay, you know, down in Fresno, down in Tuolumne County, uh, Long Beach, and all of them are pretty much saying the same thing, is that we really want a city that belongs to the people um, and I think that's something that's I don't I think that's something that's um, a great a great change, um, mm -hmm. and I think that that's going to continue. Um, and so I don't see that being a problem. I think as long as that is explained to a city and that and that the cities really understand that these are really truly community spaces and they need to keep that vibe in order for them to be successful. Um, mm -hmm. I think I don't think we'll run into that too much. So do. How receptive are our local governments to this message? Because, you know, you and I obviously understand this, and people who are in yeah. the industry, you know, understand the nature of the beast, but, but government is, is government. <laughs> yes. Um, so when we first initially started, um, there was not an understanding. Nobody got, there was hackers, and no one got it. Um, but very quickly, um, with, just within a few months, um, we were very fortunate because we had a lot of support from press. Um, the Sacramento Business Journal has just been just since day one has been nothing but supportive. So they've done such a great job in explaining and 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 giving uh, a story on the value. Um, so it helped our events be very successful. And you know our city is actually very supportive of what we do. Um, they you know evangelize for us that you know we're constantly. Uh, uh, talked about, um, were praised. Um, you know, they're they're like I have I have lunch tomorrow with the economic development team. Um, you know, I get calls from the city manager, from the mayor's office. I mean, uh, they've been extremely extremely supportive. And you know, I do a lot of things with economic development. I you know I consult with other cities. I go and you know sit down and have discussions about these how important these spaces are and. Um, we're practically stopped in our region to have a hackerspace in another city. So, you know, other cities that are outside of Sacramento but are, that are joined um, by county or with pro close proximity, I mean, literally every city wants us to go out there. Um, and when I go to these conferences, people, like, like tackle me. And I'm like, 
please come to our city. So um, it's quickly become like we've got to have these spaces in our town. We need one. And, um, you know, and then, and then if they don't get it, I said, did you know that President Obama had the White House do a makerspace Google Hangout to talk about how important these are and that, everyone, that every city needs to have a hacker and makerspace in their city? I mean, that's huge. They're actually having a maker fair at the White House. Wow. I mean, that's just huge. That's so cool. <laughs> I thought they were cool for the Google Hangout. Now I think they're really cool for the Maker Fair. Um, so, I mean, hey, it's, no, getting it the point across, no, it, it has not been. There's always that one person, but for the most part, people are like, please come to our town. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Well, what are some of the more uh, successful, besides your program, of course, what are some of the more successful hacker program, hacker space programs and makerspace programs that you've seen in the U.S.? Um, so there's a, there is a Hacker Dojo, of course. Like I said, they're the, like, to me, they're the, oh, hacker spaces. Um, <laughs> they're, they're one of the originals, and, you know, they've had I, a gazillion companies come out of there. Um, and they've led the way uh, for hackerspaces, as far as I'm concerned. Um, then there's BioCurious, which is basically a hacker slash makerspace for um, bioengineering, um, which I think is just amazing. Um, then there's uh, NoiseBridge, which is in San Francisco, um, which is just an amazing, amazing space. Um, then there's a lot of co-working spaces that are kind of like hybrids of, of co-working and also a hacker spaces. So they they are a co-working environment, but there's a lot of startups that come out of them. You know, there's Parasoma, and then one of the bigger ones is NextSpace, which is run by uh, run and founded by Jeremy Nooner, and um, they have nine locations across the country. Wow. And they are yeah, they're phenomenal. They're they're spitting out tons of startups. Um, they have meetups and educational uh, educational um, things going on as well. Um, so there's so many. Um, you know, and and they're growing rapidly across the country. Um, you know, we saw a bunch of stuff in in uh, in uh, Philadelphia that was that was quite impressive. The LA scene is blowing up. Um, there's a makerspace there, the LA makerspace. There's several spaces. Um, it's it's it definitely is a um, a very fast growing trend, and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Uh huh. Well, that's probably a good thing, and I I I, yes. I think. You know that as the broadband space uh, expands, as more and more communities, uh, you know, driven by Google and, and the successes of Chattanooga and so forth, are are those 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 successes are going to drive hacker spaces? Because if you watch the news as it unfolds about you know Kansas City's project, and today yep. Portland was um, uh, they're they're supposedly in the last. The rounds of negotiation with Google. As these things unfold, hackerspaces seem to be the first thing that people talk about. You know, it's like which neighborhood is it going to go to, and then what hackerspaces or hacker fairs or makerspaces are popping up as a result of that. I mean, the Kansas City, it was like they went hand in hand. You know, as as more news about fiberhoods came out news about Startup Village um, in, in Kansas yep. City, kind of a hackerspace, that increased. And it was kind of went back and forth. Is this a hand-in-hand -hand thing? Is this going to be? It is. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think as, 
as um, hackerspaces grow and we get more funding, I think that we can do um, you know, greater things as far as technology is concerned. But one of the basic things that we need is infrastructure. And I truly believe that, um, that uh, high-speed broadband is basic infrastructure for hacker and makerspaces and that we need it in order to push out really great things. And mm -hmm. we are only limited by our resources. So the more resources that we have, the more things that we can do, the more we're capable of. Um, so um, we're partnering with SureWest. Um, they're amazing. Currently we have um, 100 megabytes uh, per TSE. Um, they're microwave, um, microwave broadband. They're really awesome. They've been great supporters of us. And uh, we're moving on uh, as well. We're going to partner with, uh, with SureWest, and they're going to give us a gigabit of service. Um, so we can have that resources available for our our hacker space, and we're we're so excited because we're like we don't know what we can do. You know, we just know that we will be we're limited by our speed. Um, mm -hmm. So if we wanted to do anything in telecommunications, in telemedicine, um, anything with big uh, transferring big data and big files, we're not we don't have the capability of doing that. But I think once we get the gigabit connectivity, which is coming within a couple months. Um, I think that the doors of opportunity will open and we'll be able to see what we can do with that type of infrastructure. And I think that's the way it is for, for all um, hacker and maker spaces um, going forward is I think once we get those resources, I think uh, the doors will open and uh, creativity will flood in and we'll be able to do really, really amazing things. Mm -hmm. the, um, this gig now, so now, what exactly are the details on this gig that's coming to SACTO? Or is it just your um, space that's going to get a it's gig? It's just our facility right now. Um, we're, we've been really <laughs> pushing. Um, Hacker Lab has been really pushing, um, and we've been on the forefront of basically evangelizing the importance of having Gigabit um, in Sacramento, not only because of technology, because of the, the technology startups, on what it can do for economic development, but because we are a government town, we are the capital of California. And just think about the things that we can do as far as on a civic on a civic level, and as far as being more efficient and saving money and time. Um, so we've been really pushing that. The city's been very receptive. Um, they've been trying to find ways to utilize. They applied for Google. They applied for an IBM grant. There's a lot of different things that they're trying to do to bring this into the city. Um, so we've been pushing it, and um, you know, because we've made so much noise, because we're really good at kicking and screaming, um, <laughs> we're really good at that. Like we're super good. Um, so we, you know, we 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 threw a big fit. Yeah, <laughs> we threw a big fit, and. Um, you know, we were able to bring a lot of the, the city leaders and community leaders at a table and, and, and pled our case, and they have just been nothing but supportive. And um, they were able to, Steve Hansen, our city councilman, and the downtown uh, partnership, Michael Alt and uh, Lisa Martinez, were able to come together and give us a small grant of a whopping $3,000. Oh my. And, uh, we, yes, I know. I know. <laughs> I, it, was, it was so awesome to get the money, and they were this is for broadband. I'm like, awesome, this is a good start. And just for them to say this is specifically for broadband, and, you know, we, we don't have a lot of budget, but, but what can we do with this? So mm -hmm. I went to Sure West, and I'm like, here's our whole $3,000. <laughs> can, can you can you? Can you help us? And they're like, well, basically, that's not even going to pay for the equipment or the install, you know. But we'll take it. We'll take it, and um, we just want to support 
the city. We want to support the fiber grid, which is what we call the project, is the fiber grid. We want to support the fiber grid. And so, you know, we're so grateful to the downtown partnership and to Steve Hansen's office and to Sure West and even TSE for even getting us this far. Um, for so very soon, you know, half the rep's going to have gigabit connectivity and then, then the then some really cool stuff is going to happen. We are the home for Code for Sacramento, which is run by Haley Pate. And, you know, what we want to do is have a civic project that's going to pull big data so we can actually um, watch the success of that project and then turn it in in a white paper and show the city what we can do on a civic level um, as far as government. And then we also want to incubate a couple companies that need that infrastructure and then and then also show that in a white paper so then we can plead our case for, for funding, um, for raising money, whatever it is that we need to do to show, look, this works here. This is what we can do if we were able to put uh, gigabit connectivity at least even just in the grid, which is our downtown midtown mm -hmm. corridor. Um, so that's our plan. So we're getting it. We're not, and we're not just looking at ourselves. We're looking at our city in a whole and saying, once we get it, Hacker Lab is going to do a couple case studies um, and then and then turn in a paper and and metrics on 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 the success stories, um, hopefully success stories um, of what comes from having gigabit. Interesting. So um, when you do that, let me know because I think our audience would definitely like to learn more about the you know all the all the surveys that you've you've done. Actually, we should, I should yeah. probably just uh, you know devote a page of my blog to all of your various research. I'm not sure anybody else is out there is doing a lot of research in this yeah. uh, in this area. Well. Yeah, I, I think for us, I think it's good for um, for cities. That, um, I think our cities want it, but they don't. We 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 just don't know why we want it. <laughs> and so, you know, you read the stories and whatnot, but I think that having a couple case studies um, in a small, even if it's just a small uh, case study, can can prove your case. Um, you know, you can put some meat on the bones and say, look, this is this is what we did on a very small level. Imagine what we can do citywide. Um, and I think that for us, especially because we are a conservative government town, that I need to, uh, not I, but we collectively need to to show this is what we can do. Because um, I, I, I imagine and daydream having a gigabit city and then people like Haley Tate and our local government, you know, finding creative ways to, to streamline, you know, what they're doing on a daily basis to make their lives a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about this, um, this insurance uh, program that you've got set up. What is this all about? And, uh, this obviously caught my attention, especially coming on the, you know, heels of the whole Affordable Care Act and all these ex insurance exchanges and so forth. What's the details on your program? So, um, Hacker Care is a community-driven organization. We're not a nonprofit, but we are community-driven, and it came out of uh, one. We're 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 being incubated by Hackers and Founders, which is the world's largest tech meetup, and they also have uh, they also have a um, incubator in Silicon Valley. They have about sixty thousand members worldwide, and it's run by Jonathan and Laura Nelson. And um, they're very good friends of mine, very dear people. I've never met anyone so passionate about the hacker community as them. And um, we're a chapter of Hackers and Founders at Hacker Lab. And um, one of the things that we were doing is, is when this 
whole Obama Act came up, I was like, hmm, what does this mean for our community? Like, what does this mean for our startups? I think I should look into this. So I started looking and digging, and I'm like, oh, no, this is a mess. You know, so I went and uh, talked to Laura and, um, and Jonathan, and they had been diligently working on this for quite some time, and weren't, you know, they, this, they, they have their hands full. And uh, so they said, yes, this has been a huge problem for us. And I'm like, and, and, and obviously it's going to be a huge problem for our community as well. And it's, you know, it's probably a problem for the, the tech and startup community across the board. Um, so it's a problem because a lot of these companies work for startups and there is no insurance. A lot oh, of these people right, are, okay. free, are freelancers. Yeah, like most of, a lot of the people in tech are freelancers and don't really work for anyone. Um, you know, they go from contract to contract, um, uh, or or they work in startups and they go from one startup to another because startups, you know, they have a, a lifespan that's very short. You know, mm-hmm. it takes like ten to eleven startups to make it big. Um, so it's a huge problem for the tech community in general, um, just based on our mm-hmm. lifestyle and just the numbers of us is huge. Um, so you know, I started digging into it and started doing research, and then one day in an email. Uh, Jonathan's like, Gina's in charge of health insurance. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I am, okay. I'm in, char- I'm in charge of health insurance. <laughs> and so, uh, which is like a big joke. And there it was. Something else. There I it was. <laughs> yes. And Jonathan is my great Oz of Silicon Valley. So if he tells me I'm in charge of something, I'm in charge of something. So, <laughs> 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 like, I'm like, okay, I'm in charge. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so I started doing research and just kept hitting a wall. Like, no, but every broker was like, no, 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 can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And then one day I met a, I finally was about to give up. I emailed some lady on LinkedIn, and she was like, I can't do it, but I know somebody crazy enough who can. And uh, we met our, our broker, Kevin Grenz, from Tevis Insurance, and he was like, I love this, I love a challenge, I'll be back. And within two days, he came back with rates and was a crazy way to get it done. And we were on our way. And initially, it was just going to be a project. Like, let's just find a way to, to solve this. And then when I sat down with him, I'm like, oh, my God, this is a startup. Like, this is going to take a lot of time, a lot of resources. Um, this is a company. Um, so Hacker Care was, was uh, founded. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm technically the CEO and, and founder, but we are – we are in numbers of, you know, the community and hackers and founders as our incubators. They are on the forefront of helping roll this out. Um, also, Charles Bell, who was previously the director of UC Hastings Law. Um, mm-hmm. We also have the School Factory, which is um, uh, founded and run by uh, James Carlson, who is a talk about hacker and makerspaces. Their organization supports 85 hacker and makerspaces across the country. Um, so he's on our board um, then also VSP uh, Vision Service Plan is one of our um, is our our corporate sponsor and champion, and uh, and then you know a handful of other people you know uh, are helping us get it together as well. So it's based really a collaborative effort to get this going, and um, it's no different than just working for a company and you have insurance under it. We're just a big giant group plan, and mm-hmm. people can join. Um, they join, we ask for a $50 annual membership, which is currently being waived until your insurance is active. And they're in, uh, it's, annual, it's an annual membership fee just to help for administration costs because we don't have any funding and we're doing this out of our own time. Um, and then you immediately get rate reimbursed because we have um, uh, 
partnered with a perks program where you can get tons of um, uh, member benefits off of like Twitter advertising, Facebook, Treehouse, uh, you know, uh, Zipcar, things like that, um, to help offset that fifty dollars a year. But the plan is actually what's really good is the plan is, from what I've understood, talking to other people, it's about thirty percent cheaper the way we're going than most plans. Um, it's a PPO, which means that you have a gamut of, of, of services that you don't have with an HMO. Um, so uh, most of your cost, uh, most of your stuff is automatically covered through your plan. Um, you don't really have a deductible until you exceed a certain dollar amount or if you have a catastrophic injury. Mm -hmm. um, we have a share of cost deductible, which means if you, if you opt in for the share of cost deductible and you pay an additional $15 a month, um, if you have to use your deductible, we, re we will reimburse you up to 80% of that deductible. Um, we also have a platform that we're building out um, which basically supports other health startups. Which base, uh, so currently we have iDoc24 on there, which is a telemedicine for dermatology. So if you wanted to uh, bypass actually going to a doctor, you can receive 25% you know, off iDoc24 and go on there and use their telemedicine services. Um, so we want to become a platform as well for other startups um, to be able to present their healthcare um, solutions to our community at a discounted rate so it's another alternative to going to the doctor and to keeping healthy. Um, so there's a lot of different things that we're doing on there. Um, and um, Eventually we want to be able to raise enough money so we can be self-insured and have our own captive, but that's a few years down the line. Um, Interesting, interestingly enough, um, I think it's us and another organization that's offering insurance to start uh, to the tech community. One of them is Startup Insurance, and I think that they're only offering insurance for startups. Um, we offer insurance for anybody who's in the tech industry, whether you're a company or you're a freelancer, a designer, you're an accountant that works for a tech company, you're a maker, you can come and join HackerCare. So uh, yesterday we talked for a couple of minutes. Did you mention that there was uh, that Aetna is involved in some way? Yes, Aetna is our provider. So they're our healthcare oh, okay. provider. Yep. Um, and so we're excited, and we're using the PPO. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you're using what? Okay. And it's a PPO plan. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, that has must have made you very popular. <laughs> I, 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 you know, we had a little bit of a rough start, um, um, but we have tons of support. I mean, initially this is really um, a way for us to support our community. It's a great cause because there really isn't anybody out there supporting this aspect of the startup and tech community. So it's it's mm -hmm. it's, it's long overdue. I'm completely surprised that nobody's doing it on this on this level. Um, so we've the the reception has been great. We were featured in TechCrunch, which was awesome. Um, it, it's just been amazing. Uh, we had a little bit of a rough start. My house burned down, uh, <laughs> which put us oh, back right. several. Uh, you yeah. lost it there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, the community at work though is is also the other the other part of that. What normally would be a yeah. true tragedy, at least the community has come together to help you guys out. As far you know, you and your it, family. Exactly, and and so it it. it one from that uh, was it set me back as far as deadlines were concerned and several weeks back. Um, is, so we have a little bit of a rough patch, but we're back on track and we're, 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 we're 
we're, we're moving really quickly, which is really good. Um, and then as far as, like, let's go back to the community aspect. Yes, my house did burn down. And one of the greatest things that I tell people when they tour Hacker Lab is the value here is the people. It's the community. And, um, you know, I don't make a lot of money running a hacker space or leading a community. And the value I get is, one, I never feel like I'm at work. Two, it's just <laughs> extremely fun. And, like, I never do. It's like, it's like a geeky version of science. Build and Parks and Recreation every day. I mean, it's just <laughs> hilarious every day. I mean, it's just so fun and it's so gratifying. And, you know, I can honestly say that a couple weeks before, like a month before the fire, I was actually um, testing my faith. I felt like, you know, my family has taken a toll financially. You know, we've sacrificed a lot. We've lost a lot. I have a daughter at home still. I'm not sure if this is something that I continue to can continue to do, and I was really weighing that out. And I had taken a couple of weeks off of work to kind of, kind of, you know, mow that over. And the fire happened, and within three, and we didn't have renters insurance, so it was completely devastating because we had nothing. I mean, we, I mean, I, my, strangely enough, my wood wood furniture was okay because it was the fire was sealing down, but everything else was gone. It was damaged by smoke, or it was burnt, it was gone, and um, within three days, our community, uh, residents of the city, friends and family, and mostly strangers and people that we've touched came together and raised $13,000 for my family within three days, and here I am, and... (laughs) This has been a really interesting story. I I mean, the whole hackerspace thing in general, but also... You know this 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 particular example of community helping community. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes, uh, so we're going to have to to wrap up. Yeah. Well, just on one note, related note, uh, Southwest Airlines has got a program going on where they're basically trying to revitalize communities based on the same concept as the hackerspace. You know, get a bunch of people from the community to design plazas and open spaces for their communities. And by having this rise oh, that's up community, you know, it's it's pretty impressive. So, so Gina, you got to come back on the show again, especially after you get all your research done, so we can talk about, you know, what's what, what you found out, what you've learned, and all yeah. this process of, of researching and what have you. And you know, and keep the faith. Uh, you know, keep keep all this stuff moving forward. It sounds like you guys have a great thing going on. I have to say, you know, as as one who has been a big champion of. Um, you know, more affordable insurance. You know, definitely want to take advantage of that uh, if you can. Uh, okay. Gina, it's, it's been great. You and I will talk again, obviously, because we, we, yes. we always do every couple of months. So, you know, we'll be in yes. touch. Uh, to my audience, thank you once again for listening in. It's been a pleasure to, uh, uh, you know, to work with everybody. I think we're going to cross our 100,000 listens plateau wow. on this show. I know 100,000 like of these shows have been listened to all throughout the industry, so I'm just like beside myself. It's been That's it's amazing. been good. It's been good. Yes, yeah, thank so, you. Thank you so much. No worries. You know, you just keep on fighting that good fight, there, lady. Thank uh, you. Anyway, everybody else, we will be talking again soon. We have some shows we're keeping on tap for next week, so come back again, and we'll we'll talk again next week. Take care and have a great day. <laughs>